You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark King, for this show. Uh, got a great show for you today. Uh, Joe Mullenix on the show, going to join joining me the entire show today. So it's me and Joe. You guys got uh, twice the Joe Mullenix today. <laughs> um, <laughs> he had a great column in today's uh, on grizzbearblues.com today. So if you haven't already read it, uh, make sure you go and read that and get some tissues because uh, it's it's heartwarming. It's good. Uh, how long did that take? I mean, I know you write fast. But I mean, it was a long column. It was well thought <laughs> out. I mean, but it, it was a, it was an excellent piece, man. Well, if you want me to be honest, and maybe I don't think it's necessarily evidence of skill. It's evidence that I've been doing this too damn long. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I actually, in the mornings before I, uh, before my school day starts, I'm a teacher and coach by trade. Um, I get there about an hour and a half early, including my planning period, and I write articles in about an hour to an hour and a half. So that was this morning's article uh, in about an hour or so. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where I appreciate all the feedback. I, I appreciate you bringing it up, Mark, and, and I appreciate all the feedback. It's easily been uh, one of my most uh, successful posts in terms of social media. Uh, it's, it's spread pretty well. And, and I'm thankful for that. It's not lost on me uh, that folks like my work, uh, even all these years later. But it's as you get older, and I know you know this, Mark, we've talked about our kids and our families. And, you know, you start thinking about sports through different lenses. And that's kind of what motivated me today. You know, kind of my buddies from back when I lived in Memphis. And, and then kind of like a, a preview of what's going to come uh, with my daughter down the road. I uh, was kind of the inspiration for that second part there. So. Um, it, it was a really fun piece to write, and uh, and I really enjoyed doing it. And I'm glad others are enjoying it as well. Uh, it's not fun to kind of think about this reality now, but now that this is where we are, let's get right into the the trade stuff. Um, so what we're gonna do is we I basically rebuilt the entire Grizzlies roster uh, in about an hour today because I uh, had other stuff to do, but decided not to. I decided to do this instead. Uh, so we're going to go through that and just like, I'm going to go through it and tell you what I did and you tell me uh, what you kind of think of it. And then okay, uh, after the next segment, we had a bunch of people send me and you both trades, their mm-hmm. trade ideas. So we're going to go right. through those and tell them, tell them if we think they're good or bad or this would never happen or not. So, so for me, uh, I started with Mike Conley. That was at the top. I went with Mike Conley and Omri Caspi and traded him to Dallas for Wes Matthews, Dennis Smith Jr., Dwight Powell, and a, 2022 protected first rounder. This is my favorite like trade it. too, by the way. Like I love Dennis Smith Jr. And if that, I think you could find some way to get him out of Dallas for Mike Conley, I think you do it any day of the week. And I think the most important thing to understand as you go through this exercise, especially for Mike and Mark, is you, you prioritize the pick over the player. So as long as you're able to get that first, in my opinion, the rest of it's kind of gravy. So you're looking at a trade there. We're getting a decent big in Powell, obviously uh, expiring in Wesley Matthews. And Dennis Smith Jr., who, if he comes to be what we think he can be, can be uh, a solid fit offensively alongside Aaron Jackson Jr. So, for me, that checks all the boxes. I don't know if Dallas does that, but I think the Grizzlies would definitely be interested in that type of a deal. Yeah, I think they could probably make it work without without Dwight Powell. It just depends on what they think of Dwight Powell. I mean, I, I don't know. I think they're, you know, they're obviously willing to trade Dennis Smith Jr., um, you know, I don't, I don't know if the first rounder comes in. I think even, even if that, I would probably do the deal even without the, even without the first. Um, but I think that that's something that 
we would definitely, I think you would definitely try to get, even if it's heavily protected, I think you still try to get that out sure. from them. I, I think I'd probably still do it even without the first rounder. Um, but that, I think that's doable. Um, so then obviously I went to, to uh, so you, so you have that for, for Mike and then Gasol. Uh, I, I went to also my favorite trade for Gasol is to the Hornets. And this is kind of a big one, but I think it's doable. Uh, Gasol, Ivan Rab and Matt for Bismack Biombo, Malik Monk, and Frank Kaminsky. And you could technically do this trade without Mack and Kaminsky, but I think if you try to get Kaminsky out of there, I think you'd probably do it. I don't know if they do that, but I think they definitely do Gasol and Rab for Biombo and Malik Monk. Yeah, and I think in my conversations with Charlotte people, they, they prefer to move on from Monk than Miles Bridges. I would prefer to have Miles Bridges than Monk. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. I mean, I, absolutely. I would, I would If they – Put Miles Bridges instead of Monk, I would take that in a heartbeat. I just didn't think yeah, it was possible. They were saying that they'd rather not move on from Bridges. They'd rather move on from Oh, Monk. right. So okay, yeah. If, if that is the case, as it sounds like it is, then, you know, you, you take what you can get. I think Kaminsky is an interesting fit next to Jaron in terms of a pick-and-pop player. Uh, let's just talk about the ridiculousness of Michael Jordan for a second. Uh, turning down a trade of essentially six future first that he could draft Frank Kaminsky. It uh, doesn't make a yeah. sense. Um, so maybe Jordan w- would go a little bit overpay for, for Mark and, and to show Kemba that he's willing to go all in and try to compete in a relatively open Eastern Conference. Um, so maybe you can get a first out of it. Maybe you can find a way to prime Miles Bridges away. But at the same time, that, that package you just offered, especially for Mark, is probably fair. I think people have to keep that perspective. I don't know that you're going to get birth, both a first and a young player yeah. for Mark Gasol at this stage in his career. No, I think you're right. I don't, I don't, and that's what I try to keep in mind. I don't think you get those things, those type of things. But I like Malik Monk, and I think for the Hornets, like you said, they try to prove to Kemba they can do this right now, and they try to go all in. And if Gasol opts out, then they have a bunch of money in the summer to do something with. Uh, Max obviously expiring, and then they have they get Rad, which is you know still a project, but you never know. Um, and I think they move off some young guys they probably aren't high on. Um, so once you have the two big guys out of the way, then you have to look at, and I tried to keep Jamaka Green and, and Garrett Jumble out of those trades. For the simple sure. fact, I think those are your best, your highest valued assets, and I think you can com- command um, some things without them being in the trade with Michael Mark. And I think I already texted you this one. Especially Jamaichael. Especially Jamaichael, yes. And I, so Jamaka Green for C.J. Miles in the 2023 first rounder. Um, I think I already texted you that, but I think that's I think that's definitely doable for sure. They get you. All, get I think they do that. Miles. To be honest with you, I think so too. I mean, they get you a first rounder. They get they get a big who can defend on the perimeter, who has shown that he's willing to compete at a, a high level, even for a team that's struggling like the Grizzlies. Uh, you go to Toronto, where you're automatically in the thick of the title chase, uh, especially the Eastern Conference Finals chase. I think it'll reinvigorate him, and he'll perform at an even higher level than he currently is. So. I like that trade a lot, and it's far enough down the road that I think Toronto, you know, again, they're they're in a win. The teams in the East, they, they see blood in the water because LeBron is gone. You know what I mean? So this is an opportunity yep. for them to go and compete and actually make an NBA Finals now that LeBron James is out of the Eastern Conference. So I could see them overpaying. I don't necessarily think that's an overpaying. Uh, I think Michael has played well enough to warrant that to a contender. Um, maybe a little bit more close of a year maybe 2023 is too far down the road maybe they don't know what they're going to be in 2023 sure uh, maybe they've been more comfortable parroting with the 2020 or 2021 depending on their draft pick situation but uh, i do think you could potentially get a first especially if you're willing to take on extra money 
CJ Rab is almost certainly opting into his player option for next season. Hundred uh, percent, he's opted into that player option. Um, and then, so after uh, see after Jamaka Green, you after I traded Jamaka Green for CJ Miles in the in the first rounder, then I went with obviously the other asset the Grizzlies had with Garrett Temple and traded him for Dougie McBuckets. Uh, and a second rounder. I don't know if they give up the second rounder. I don't even know if they give up Doug McDermott, but it's largely a guy that's not playing much. I think that you can probably get him Garrett Temple on expiring, but he's got a couple of years left on his deal. I mean, especially with what's happened with Victor Oladipo, it'll be interesting to see, you know, all the reports are out of uh, Indiana that after his knee injury, um, he might be done for the year. If that is indeed the case, maybe they're not necessarily interested and going all in anymore, you know, maybe they, uh, they sit back and they become sellers instead of buyers. Uh, that'll be an interesting situation to watch. And I think McDermott, you know, offensively obviously fits a need for the Grizzlies. He's a bit of a sieve defensively, but let's be honest, the, the Grizzlies as a whole are a sieve defensively right now. So sure. um, at, yeah. at least Dougie McGrizzly, as I affectionately call him, uh, he'd come in and get buckets. I mean, you know, that would happen. And, you know, he'd be fun to watch. So, well, it's also interesting to see. Trade, I mean, Garrett Temple's not your future. And you, like you sure. said, you have cost control, at least when it comes to McDermott. Right. I mean, it's also, I mean, Indiana could be one of those people that now are interested in Mike Conley. I mean, I, who knows? But, um, right. like you mentioned, how Victor, Victor Oladipo going down is different. Sorry. How they respond to the, the situation with, Victor Oladipo going down, Bears watching. If they do go yeah. Conley, then obviously that makes them a little bit more des- desperate than maybe they would have been before. If they decide to sit it out, that means there would be one less suitor for the services of someone like Conley. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. They're either going to go going to go hard and continue to try to make it, or they're, like you said, they're going to become sellers instead of buyers. So uh, that'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, and then lastly, I also uh, traded Justin Holiday just because <laughs> it clearly <laughs> hasn't worked. They, we can already call this trade not good uh, after they've given up two second round, two going to be high second round picks uh, for Justin Holiday. Uh, Justin Holiday for Travion Graham and a 2021 second round pick from I the like Mets. it. Got to get your I second round pick back. Travion Graham is he's a guy who has a, he's an expiring. He actually has a team option this year, so he's expiring. See what you have. If not, you can just let him walk. Young kid, whatever you can always uh, just get an asset back for what you gave up for Justin Holiday, and yeah, I do think Justin Holiday has gotten a bit of a bad rap. Um, He's a good basketball player; it just hasn't fit, and obviously that trade looks even worse now, given the way things have gone for Memphis. Um, So yeah, I think you're onto something there with uh, with the Nets possibly being interested in him. I think Brooklyn would use him and his skill set more effectively. Than the Grizzlies can at this stage. Well, they just haven't. It's, it all comes down to coaching. The offense they're running doesn't fit what they're trying to do. The offense they're running right. doesn't fit what the personnel they have. And so, it, 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 Justin Holiday is a good basketball player in scenarios that you put him in. He's not a. He is a one-dimensional. You know, he's a one-dimensional player on offense. He, he he needs to be in the corner just waiting for the ball to shoot a three. That's what he needs to be doing. Um, and the, right. and the Nets can do that. I think it provides something that they don't really, not that they don't really have, but it provides another dimension for them. Uh, something the Grizzlies aren't going to have. Uh, so obviously a lot of these things, I don't know if anything, obviously a lot of these things I'd be surprised if any of them happen, but so if you do all that, that puts you at 
Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, you have him locked up for multiple years. Dennis Smith Jr. You have locked up for multiple years. Kyle Anderson locked up. Dylan Brooks locked up. Malik Monk locked up. And Javon Carter locked up. I mean, they might not win a lot of games, but that'd be fun as hell to watch. I know that. Well, as long as you and I talked about this with Gary Parish, as long as you get the fan base to buy into a vision, right? Right. Like if you're just randomly throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks, it's going to be hard to get people to buy into that kind of concept. If people can see what you're trying to do, and you can get them to buy into it, you know, you have to be a good salesman in this case. Uh, if you're in that boat and you're able to find yourself selling the vision well then yeah, it would be fun. And I think that while the losing would be frustrating at times and would probably get tiresome, uh, at least it would be losing with a purpose. You know, right now it feels like losing without a purpose. You, you still trot out two of the best players in the history of your organization and you get curb stomped every, every other night. So right. it, it can, that's what makes it frustrating is the idea that we're all still trying to move behind, move on from and, and are in varying stages of the levels of grief when it comes to the the concept that Marcus All and Mike Conley don't equal the playoffs anymore. Um, as you accept that and you look at what comes next and you get the returns that you outlined here, I think maybe it's a little bit optimistic, but I think that it's not over the top. It's not like you said they're going to get Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram or somebody like that, some supposed stud young guy uh dennis smith jr's your uh, your your peak there um if you look at what they're trying to do i think it makes sense you, you swing for a guy like a dennis smith jr see if he can fit as a star alongside jaron you're, you're looking for pieces that fit alongside him while also trying to clean up your books a little bit moving forward uh for restricted free agency and things like that so well, uh, I do like where they're heading if that is the direction they go. Well, it's it's like you said, yes. You look for Dennis Smith Jr. to be that that guy, that other you know piece you can build around, and then all the rest is just you see what you got. You know, you just see what you have, and one of one of those pieces work out, and you know some of them don't. Whatever, no no harm, no foul, because there are young players, small contracts, and then you have Doug McDermott. Uh, I didn't mention him, but you'd have him locked up in a couple of years at seven mil. Again, he may not fit the bill, but you never know. Uh, and then you get into, a, you have expiring contracts in Wes Matthews, expiring contracts in Trevion Graham, uh, Dwight Powell, Biznack Biombo, and CJ Miles would have player options, player options, which they will most certainly would exercise. Um, but you still have, you know, 19, 20 million in, in cap space in the summer. And then you can go and just at that point, you can rent your cap space. You can take on other people's bad contracts for assets. Um, and I think that's what you try to do. You try to keep that cat space relatively low. You're able to rent that for people, get assets, get draft picks, whatever you want to do. And then as you get those core pieces in Jaron and maybe Dennis and some other players that you, you know, hire draft picks, you can start to build around. Then you have sort of a, a younger core and and that might attract a different free agent than you might not be, have been able to get before. So I think that, you know, it, it does two things. It gives you guys you can look at for the future or what they might be. And then it also gives you flexibility and cap space. If you wanted to go out and, and rent it out for a year to other people trying to get off bad contracts. No, I think that's absolutely right. And that has to be the priority to be having able to have the flexibility to take on those bad deals so you can get draft picks. You know, this is not going to be a quick rebuild. This is not going to be a year turnaround. 
and Memphis is no. back in the playoffs. This is going to be a long, drawn out, painful process, and it's going to take discipline, and it's going to take a willingness to, to swing and miss on draft picks. It's going to take an investment in, in the scouting department and, and trying to get better there. Obviously, they did well with Jaron Jackson Jr., but you look at Jordan Adams, you look at uh, Tony Roden, you look at a lot of the draft picks that they've made you know, down the list and down the road, especially in the first round, and they haven't been successful. So it, it, that is how this team is going to build back to what they want to be as a playoff and championship contender. It's going to be through the draft. You're not bringing in big-name free agents. Kevin Durant's not coming here. Kyrie Irving's not coming here. Right. Jimmy Butler, you know, Clay Thompson, all these names that are going to be free agents this summer, those guys aren't coming to Memphis. So you want to be able to be in a position to take on a bad contract from New York or take on a bad contract from Chicago or, or whoever it might be, and, and you the cost of it will be a future first-rounder, let those bigger markets and those, uh, those destination spots give up future things in exchange for you having the ability to build to the draft and take advantage of the contract uh, advantages uh, that go along with drafting a player and trying to keep them in the market. Yeah, I mean, just like you mentioned, those big, the big markets, they build largely through free agency. And you're in a position where you can't do that. You, you just can't. Like you mentioned, nobody's coming here. The only way you build, the only way you build a franchise, especially in a market like Memphis, is you draft well. Obviously, these are things I haven't done, but this is the way you do it. You draft well, or you overpay uh, mediocre people to come here, overpay people um, on a, on a, uh, injury, hoping they'll get better, um, or through trades, and those are the only ways you can build really through uh, through build a small market through, through and, and win a championship. That's it. I mean, you can't even really win a championship. Look at the Thunder. I mean, they've done okay. a, as good a job as anybody else, and they still can't win a championship. And they have Russell Westbrook, and like or hate him, he's an awesome basketball player, and they still sure. can't do it. So, um, you know, those are the only ways you can do it. And and if you're able to have that flexibility. You can let the big markets have the cap space to go go at free agents, and you'll take advantage of, like you said, and the cost will be doing business will be a first round pick, and that's it. And that you know you continue to to, to build assets through through just like the Celtics did. They did. That's exactly what they did. That's how they got assets, um, and that's how they got the core they have now with the young guys that they have up there, and that allowed them to get other free agents that younger core that was good, maybe not good enough, but the younger core was good and see the potential. Allow them to get some bigger free agents. Um, Joe's going to say, "Wait, we're going to take a quick break." Uh, sorry, I'm gonna, let's take a let's take a quick break. We'll come right back and we'll continue this conversation uh, through trades, and then get to you guys' trades that you guys submitted to us. It was a lot, so we'll go through them pretty quickly. Some of them we won't even talk about because they probably won't make sense, but hopefully they all do. <laughs> I asked for I, I asked for realistic, realistic trades. Don't send me Mark for LeBron shit. I asked for realistic trades. Hopefully that's what we got. We'll go through them all in just a minute. Welcome back to the show. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Joe. What were you going to say right before we took a break? Oh, no. Uh, my, my final point on that was just the idea that if you're looking at this franchise long-term and if Jaron's going to be what you want to focus on, you have to do it with other young pieces. It can't be bringing in, like I said, uh, even if you wanted to go down a level and you wanted to overpay uh, an Eric Bledsoe or a Chris Middleton or someone like that, that's not how you're going to sustain this. That's not how you're going right. to make Memphis be a contender. 
that's not how you build a culture. They have to do it through the draft, and you have to be willing to make some sacrifices in terms of your own cap sheet to get the resources necessary to be able to have that be a reality. So it's going to be a tough, long road. Um, but And that's the, that is all assuming that they actually execute these deals. You know, I do think this year is yeah, different than last right. year because Robert Paris seems to be more involved, and, and I don't think Chris Wallace is as involved. This is not going to be Chris Wallace's uh, rebuild. You know, uh, Jeff Calkins wrote about that for the Daily Memphian, and I agree with him completely. Uh, this is, you know, probably the swan song of Wallace. I don't see him sticking around for, for what this is going to eventually be if both Mark and Mike are traded. But don't be surprised if they're still on the roster. I mean, I'll be, I'll be kind of surprised at this point. I think it's, it's more likely that both of them are gone than I thought it was, you know, obviously two days ago. But even last night as, as the news was settling in, um, I do think that they're motivated to get something done. But at the same time, don't discount the idea of them not moving anybody. And we're looking at this team a little more than two weeks from now saying, well, now what the hell can we do? Yeah, I, I think the only weird thing about it is that you the Grizzlies made it public. I mean, the Grizzlies decided to do that. I'm Robert Perry. They, they decided to do that. And I think that's what makes it more likely than not now. I, w- I would have, you know, like a couple of days ago, I would have said, yeah, maybe, but I don't. I, I'd still land in the camp of I think they'll be here. But now it's like, what do you what do you expect now to happen? Like they're just. I mean, it's so weird. It's just awkward. Like what happens if they're on the they're on the team after the trade deadline? How awkward is that? After we just straight up said, yeah, we're shopping you, and then never mind. I it's just. I find it more likely now the fact that they made it public like that than than not. Sure. Uh, just because I think it's. Why go and do that? Like, what's what's the benefit there? Why go in out of your way to make it public? Why you can you can take calls and not have to tell everybody you're taking calls? Which, frankly, they should have been taking calls already. I would have hoped that they've been taking calls all year. But, uh, but yeah, there's no there's no benefit to making it public. But that's kind of my take. I, that's why I think it's probably more likely than not. I mean, not, at least one of them gets moved. Maybe not both. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that for sure at this point. Okay, let's get to these trades. Uh, first one is from uh, NDQ at NDQ1125. Q uh, this is between the 76ers and the Grizzlies. 76ers are sending out Mike Conley, Omri Caspi, and Ivan Rabb for Wilson Chandler, Markel Fultz, Mike Mascala, Landry Schmidt, and Jonah Bolden. Obviously, the crux of this is a bad contract with Wilson Chandler and getting the idea of getting Markel Fultz. I don't really like this trade for the for the Grizzlies because I, do, I don't like Markel Fultz. Um, I'm not in the boat of taking a gamble on another player that's already hurt and already not been able to play. But that's just that's where I land. I know it's first round, first you know top draft pick. I get that, but I'm just not in the camp of taking players that still can't play or hurt and can't get healthy. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty busy trade. You know, you get excited on the trade machine and. Yeah, and you add four or five guys to a roster. I think the more bodies and names you add, the less likely the deal is. Well, you don't, don't see trade with hate... five players in it, like on from one right. team. It just doesn't like right. it never happens. So, but I do like. I don't hate his idea of Markel Fultz as much as you do, and here's why. I think that again, Memphis can't necessarily be beggars can't be choosers. If you're struggling without the resources at hand to build around Jaron through the draft. You either need to go get draft picks or you need to go get players who could potentially be stars. And Markel Fultz was a former first overall pick 
in the NBA draft. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have flaws. He clearly is broken right now. Um, but what better place than Memphis to try to revitalize your career? You know, and think about Zach and Tony and, and Mark, to a lesser extent, being a second-round pick. And, you know, there's been a lot of guys who have come through these halls and FedEx Forum who have made careers for themselves and their second chances. It's a lot sooner uh, for him being 21 years old or 20 years old, whatever old he is. But, you know, it could be a place for him to kind of grow and develop. And, and if he can get right physically, in terms of his physical ability, his way to play on both ends of the court, his ability to get to the rim, him and Jordan Jackson Jr. would make a pretty fine tandem. So I don't hate the idea as much as you, but I definitely share your concern about health. That would be a major piece of it, especially especially considering uh, how things went the last time they uh, acquired somebody who may have a health concern when it comes to Chandler Parsons. Well, and it's not a health; it's a serious health concern as well. Like the the sure. stuff that he's going through is is not like a I got a bad ankle or a tore ACL. It is a serious health concern. So that's kind of where I land on it. Uh, next trade is from Nick Bushart at Nick Bushart. I want at Nick Bushart one. He actually sent us the exact same trade almost uh, for the 76ers. So we'll just say see above answer for that, Nick. Um, right. And he actually sent us two. Yeah, the next one he sent was from Mark. Uh, it's Mark Gasol and Jamaka Green going to the Hornets. And the Grizzlies getting back uh, Batum, Monk, and Hernan Gomez. I would say they don't do that deal with Hernan Gomez in it. I think they like him too much for that. Um, I think he's, you know, he's a piece of what they're trying to do. Not that they don't want, they they won't do it, but I just, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I think if you're the Grizzlies also, I think putting Jamaka Green in a trade like that, whenever versus putting him in a separate trade, like just by himself, I think he's more valuable by himself than attaching him to Marcus Saul, where you can attach someone like, Armand Cassidy with Marcus Marcus trade and probably get some of the same type players you could do. Like we talked about, you could do Nick Batum and Millie Monk for Marcus Saul and Armand Cassidy and get the same thing. Um, and I don't and Hernan, Yeah. And Hernan Gomez don't, doesn't excite me enough to where I got to have it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I think that you look at Hernan Gomez and you know, I'm looking for versatility. You know, that's another kind of prerequisite here as we go uh, asset shopping and go to sleep. Um, Hernan Gomez to me is just a center. That's really all he can be in the NBA. And that doesn't mean that he can't be a good center, but he, that's just kind of his lot. That, that's what he is physically capable of being. I want guys that can play on the wing and be a stretch four. I want big men like Jaron Jackson Jr. who can switch between the four and the five, defend multiple types of bigs in the NBA. You know, Parker Fleming of GVB likes to talk about positionless basketball a lot. There's some truth to that, and I think that you want to have guys that have the ability to be malleable in terms of where they fit and what types of lineups they can play with. So I'm not a huge Hernan Gomez guy. I do like that he's cheap for next season, um, and obviously still young. I think he's 23 or 24 years old. Um, but I, I, for me, you know, Malik Monk would be good. Nicola Batum would be good. You know, that contract's not the best, but – at least he's a physically functioning basketball player, unlike Chandler Parsons. Um, I like Miles Bridges, but from the Charlotte folks I've talked to, it sounds like they're not interested in cutting with him. I think what you outlined there uh, in that trade proposal is probably what's realistic for Mark. You know, a young player, uh, a bad contract in Batum, and then maybe you add a draft pick to that. Even if it's not a first, it could be a second or two seconds. And that's probably what you're going to get from Mark Gasol, especially – uh, for a guy that might be a rental who may not opt in and stick around wherever he's sent out. 
uh, Nick actually, he actually sent us another one. It's involving three teams, which uh, I think there's like 13 players in it. So I'm just going to say that that, that <laughs> is not going to happen. Like there, you don't see three team deals with 15, 13 players in it. Um, the next Probably trade not. comes from uh, at fly drama. Uh, he actually has a four team trade again. Um, it it is Mark and 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 Mike going out and Chandler Parsons going out and um this is unrealistic so I'm gonna skip because all it has is Grizzlies getting back everybody and they're only sending out those three players um so that's right. not gonna happen there's no reason that Chandler Parsons would go to the Charlotte Hornets and they would get nothing in return um so we're gonna we're gonna skip over that one sorry uh, fly drama I appreciate the trade though um the next one is from Grind Father Time. That is at at Hopeless Grizz. Uh, that is that is a, a name that is probably fitting. hits far. Yeah, fitting for right now where we're at. Uh, this is a three three team trade, but we're going to go through it because it's it's reasonable. Uh, Grizzlies are going to get Tim Hardaway Jr. and Emmanuel Mudiay. New York Knicks are getting Caldwell Pope and Rajon Ron, Ray, Rajon Rondo, and the Lakers are getting Marc Gasol and Shelvin Mack. Um, you know, just like off the top, I mean, if I'm getting Tim Hardaway Jr. and Emmanuel Moody, I would do that deal for Mark and Shelvin Mack, and and I would run away with four. Then you could tell me no, um, but I don't think that the Lakers do that deal. Um, I think they're probably waiting to see where they land on. Uh, obviously, they're trying to see where they land on Anthony Davis, um, but I do know they probably, if they're going to give up pieces, it would be Caldwell Pope and Rajon Rondo. Um, you could probably even do that deal with that same deal, leave out the Knicks and get those same guys coming back to the Grizzlies for the same package going to the Lakers. Um, I, I've seen that tossed around with maybe a, some kind of pick attached. Yeah. From looking at the Lakers, it all comes down to Anthony Davis, as you just alluded to, and obviously they want to have flexibility to compete for Clay Thompson or Kawhi Leonard or one of those guys that next to LeBron uh, going into next season. Um, if they get impatient and they want to try to compete this season, it makes a lot of sense to look to uh, Mark Gasol because Mark Gasol would make the Lakers that much better right now. And in the case of the Knicks, I think you can completely remove Mark Gasol from that process. I don't think he's going to he's going to uh, like the idea of playing for David Fisdale in New York. Yeah. Um, but w- with the Lakers. That that's an interesting piece to me, uh, and, and especially if they're willing to part with Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, probably not a Kyle Kuzma because of those three, Kuzma has shown the most ability in the absence of LeBron. But you know, if they offer Brandon Ingram and Contavious Caldwell Pope, that that's a pretty decent haul for Marcus Gasol, and you take a swing on Ingram and see if he can become a, a dominant scoring wing in the NBA. That would be pretty solid to line up across from Jaron Jackson Jr. So that's not to say the Lakers would say yes to that. I do think that they're going to value the ability to, to sell LeBron in L.A. And, and Magic Johnson. You know, that's obviously what we were talking about earlier. That's one of those free agent markets that should be able to compete and not necessarily have to depend on others uh, via trade and via the draft to, to build their franchise, especially now that LeBron is there and he's committed. So – that could be a, a desperation heave, but I think you're more likely to see that type of a, a desperation move from a Charlotte in the East than the Lakers in the West. Yeah, I think that's probably, and that's honestly, I toyed with the idea of the Lakers for a minute and didn't think I did, but that's obviously where I landed, right where you landed. And the Lakers are so top heavy. Like, it's hard for the Lakers right. to include anything that will match salaries 
because they're so top heavy in salary and like Caldwell Pope is like the, has to be a part of any trade really just because of his salary. And then, you know, Brandon Ingram, I, I don't know if they're willing to do that or not. Again, I think they're probably all in on what they have and they probably try to make a run at Anthony Davis. I'd be surprised. I mean, the only way I think they do that is if they think they're going to mark a rental basically. And then he, he, he opts out in the summer. Then they have cap space to go do whatever they need to do. So, but you never know what Mark's going to do. He could just say, oh, well, I want the $26 million or whatever it is. Cause that's what I would do. So um, next one coming from Chris Babb at CK Babb. Um, actually, fraternity brother of mine, believe that or not. Uh, shout out to Chris um, from college. Uh, Mark to the Spurs for Powell plus Lonnie Walker plus filler. And Mike to Indy for Aaron Holiday plus RF- FRP. I don't know who that is. Or Sabonis plus filler. Collison and Reek. Um, I think these are two separate trades I think he's trying to get to. But Mark, Mark to the Spurs for Paul, Powell and Lonnie Walker. Uh, probably I guess he's saying filler just to make salaries work. I, 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 I mean, uh, I don't know if I'd do that deal. I don't know how good. I don't know if I like Lonnie Walker that much. I mean, Powell Gasol. I would need a pick. I would need a pick. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to have some kind of first there. rounder. Um, and, and I, I'm not adverse to bringing Powell back. I think that's fine. And I like Lonnie Walker, but I, I don't think that's. It, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a super. You know, it could be lottery protected and maybe even turn into two seconds down the road. But I think that you need something more there. Uh, Powell is essentially dead weight at this point. Uh, Mark yeah. should garner a little bit more than that. Maybe not a thin more than that, but it should get a little bit more. And we've already talked about Conley with Indy. I think uh, if if they still want to go in on being a contender in the East, maybe they are more willing to trade for Mike now. But to me, Conley made more sense with a healthy Oladipo. Yes. I don't know if I would give up a draft pick at this stage if I'm Indy to bring in Conley to, you know, at best be a little bit worse than you were uh, before the Oladipo injury as opposed to a lot worse with him out and no Mike Conley. Um, they probably wouldn't be willing to send out a first-round pick anymore. It'd probably be salaries and, and expiring contracts. And I think of the two players, Gasol and Conley, Conley probably has the most value in a trade. So. I would not want to ruin that in that case. So I don't know. Maybe I'm off, but I feel like the Oladipo situation makes a trade less likely now uh, than more likely with Indy, no, at least. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, if you if we'd have did this thing tomorrow or yesterday, I think we Indy would probably be in that conversation because Mike and Victor Oladipo, I think, make a good backcourt. But now I think it's I think they land on the side of now they're like ah oh, now shit we're just now we're just gonna have to just right. You know, we're going to just punt on the season and kind of get what we get, especially if it's a season-ending injury for Victor Oladipo. So I think that's that's a different scenario. And yes, for me, Powell is dead weight. I think you'd have to. I, I would. I would have to ask for a first-round draft pick unprotected. I mean, not maybe next year, but or down the road, whatever they can choose. Um, but I'd, I'd have to get a first-rounder back for Lonnie Walker, and not just some kind of filler salary or whatever, because. That that I think that's that, that's too low. I know that you're not going to get a lot from Marcus but I think that's too low. Um, this one is from um, Hudson Herndon H Herndon ninety three. Uh, wow, that is that is a lot of players, uh, Hudson. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say see our previous uh, answer on the amount of players that are get traded in one trade, this is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, yeah, 16. 
in a fourteen in a fourteen trade, sixteen players. I just that's that is not going to happen. I'm you know like it seems it probably is reasonable for a lot of the teams to do, but you know, and it a lot of those deals might happen individually, but um, that's just just that never never see that in the NBA. Uh, um, next deal from Nick again. Another we got another one from Nick again. Nick, that's three teams, twelve players. Um, it's just again, that's that's not going to happen either. Unfortunately, as much as a lot of these deals probably make sense with a lot of the teams, it just it's not how it works. You know, that's just not the, the more players, like you said earlier, it, it, the more players that get stacked in, the worse it gets, or the harder right. it gets to do the deal. Uh, there's just so many things in, in in the NBA besides just salaries that go into a, a trade that um, have to just work out for everybody. So, uh, but that's right. it. That's all of our trades um, that we that we got sent. A lot of uh, a lot of multi team deals, but I think some were good, some made sense. I think some were right, kind of what we were talking about earlier in the first segment, the, what we had already came up with ourselves. It's going to be challenging, and I think that fans need to kind of prepare themselves mentally you're not going to get full value or what you perceive as full value from Mark and Mike. It's just not going to happen um, unless you come across a desperate team. Like I think Charlotte is the best example of that in the East, trying to keep Walker, an Eastern Conference team in general, seeing LeBron James no longer in the East, an opportunity to get to the Eastern Conference finals, obviously Toronto, Milwaukee, uh, having very good seasons, but Nobody has the best player in the history of the game, arguably, in LeBron James. So anybody's beatable. You know, it's more open than it's right. been. And I think folks, especially in the case of the Hornets, who are trying to keep Kemba Walker, they might be a little more susceptible. You know, you got to kind of those are the kinds of deals you want to look for. Clearly, to a lesser extent, uh, with Mike Conley, you know, if they're willing to turn some of the assets they've earned through the process. Um, that would be valuable for the Grizzlies, of course, and then as they start their own process. And then if you are Philly and you're able to go Mike Conley, J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, uh, Jimmy Butler, and <laughs> Joel Embiid as your starting five, That's pretty I good. think a Mike, Conley, I think Mike, a Mike Conley acquisition for them makes them the favorite in the Eastern Conference. Now, maybe I'm underestimating Toronto, but to me, Conley just fits what Philly needs so well that maybe they're willing to give up an extra young player, a Zaire Smith or or a Furkan Korkmaz, in addition to a first round pick, in addition to the cap filler to make it work. Maybe they are a little more open to the concept of investing in these guys uh, that that would make it a little bit closer to what Memphians perceive as their value. Uh, those are the types of teams and the types of deals that they need to be looking for trying to prey on those that uh, kind of smell blood in the water in the Eastern conference and want to try to make a run at this. Yeah. And it's, it's always a fun exercise to go to these things and kind of see what you might be able to get. But like you said, uh, you know, it, even the stuff that I did, it's always, it's an overestimation, you know, like even what we generally say, okay, I think that's what you should be able to command. I think it's always less than that. I mean, and, and so obviously, prepare yourselves, embrace yourselves for what you might get in return for those guys. Um, not to say it's going to be terrible, but it just might not be what you expect. And it might not, but we, it might not be what we expect. You just never know. I mean, you, I think people take for granted that the uh, teams, you know, it only takes one team to do a deal like that, that, that makes sense for, and makes people happy or whatever. It only takes one team to move a contract and teams get desperate, get, more desperate as the time crunch gets closer to the deadline. And so if I were the Grizzlies, I would turn, I would personally try to move 
mark if they're good if you're if you're determined to move them before the deadline, I would try to move them soon. That way you get those last second deals for Jamaka Green and Garrett Temple. Those like pieces that could actually help a contending team. You get those deals where people get desperate for Jamichael and Garrett, something like that, where you as you move your big deals that are always going to happen well before the deadline because those are deals that just done they they're they're well thought out. They don't happen last second, all those type of things. That would be my personal preference if they did it bef- well before, you know, week before. That way they'll have time to regroup and really focus on some secondary deals. That's all it takes to actually do any of this stuff. <laughs> Who knows if they actually will because it's the Grizzlies. Right. So No, it, it, there's not a ton of confidence uh, or, or understanding of what that front office structure is. Like I said before, I do think Robert Pear is more involved. I do think it's more of a team effort than it's been. I think Chris Wallace is more of a figurehead than he's ever been. But until that comes to fruition and we actually get concrete deals and, and concrete moves through this, uh, this new look front office on, on this scale, I do think you know maybe they had a hand in Garrett Temple and signing Kyle Anderson, but this is a different level here, this type of uh, franchise-defining trade. you know Whatever they decide to do is going to directly impact the next five to ten years of the Memphis Grizzlies. So uh, if, if you have a shiver going down your spine, it's probably because you're nervous. You have no idea what direction they're going to take. And uh, most, and, and all of us are going to be falling, finding out together, which is one of the nice things about fandom, I guess you can be nervous and, and, and worried about the direction of the team you follow uh, with others. And, and if that makes you nervous, the idea, and you're right, Robert Perry is making this deal. Robert Perry is pulling the trigger. That should make you more nervous. <laughs> a guy who spends most of his time in China and not even around the team is the one going to be making this deal. So that should probably make you. I don't know if it makes you more nervous or not, but it, it ain't. It ain't going to be Wallace, that's for sure. So no. whether that makes you feel better or worse about it, uh, but that that's just the truth. Uh, Joe Mullenix, site manager for Grizzly Bear Blues. Man, I appreciate you uh, staying up late with me once again and doing a full show. Uh, I think it was uh, insightful, and it was fun. No worries. Happy to do it. Appreciate your time, Mark. Uh, you do great work for us over at GBB, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, keeping this going through the rest of the craziness as it all plays out. Absolutely, man. We'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. See you then. All right. Thanks again to Joe Monix for joining me for that uh, gigantic trade episode. hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we might do another one of these next week if we're still in the same position that we are. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. But, again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I appreciate everybody sending their trade ideas in. Uh, well, hopefully got to everybody. If we missed you for some reason, uh, shoot me a message, and we'll, uh, I'll talk about that trade as well. If I, if, I, if I somehow missed your trade and didn't talk about it one way or other, let me know, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do it on the next episode. So, Again, I appreciate Joe for joining me. It was a fun episode. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at LockedOnGrizz. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at King underscore producer. And Joe as well. Joe's a great follow at Joe Mullinex as well. Uh, if you want to be a feature sponsor on this show, make sure you email me, LockedOnGrizz at gmail.com. We have a growing audience every single week, so make sure you get in touch with me so we can talk about the possibility of you becoming a sponsor on this very show. Uh, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so it automatically downloads every single day, or just go to LockedOnGrizzlies.com.